After 18 years of being utterly ordinary, I finally felt I could shine. I was born to be a vampire. It's so beautiful. We're in the same temperature now. I didn't expect you to seem so... you? I have to report a crime. The Collins, they've done something terrible. It's my daughter. The Volturi think Renesmee is an immortal child. She was born, not bitten. She grows every single day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of our podcast where we ask the question, Hey, remember the odds? I'm Courtney. I remember. You remember. And I'm Tom. It's Tom. And we talk about everything from the 2000s, from... Um... I chime in with a haven't you people ever heard of closing a goddamn door? Oh, I don't remember the next verse, but I know it's on something like this. (laughs) I genuinely don't. I used to know it. He goes, Am I old? No, that's okay, Tom. He goes, (laughs) I chime in with the haven't you people. Oh, no, that's the same line I just said. Never mind. Closing the goddamn door. It's much better to face these things. things. The sense of poison rationality. There it is. I tried. There it is. Okay, so we got it. So, uh, this is going to be a a cozy episode with a podcast today. We're having a cozy day. It's way too cold. So cold. And this movie is very overwhelming. Yeah, there's a lot happening and also nothing happening at the exact same time. That's the frustrating thing. There's so much, but it leads to nothing. Like, I, I already have trouble remembering characters and names mm-hmm. but i have to have a full-on wiki page cheat sheet up yes. not wikipedia wiki twilight because i have no idea who most of these people are i don't remember their names there's a lot of them apparently there was um this one i don't remember who these people were but there was like a whole uh nomads like there was a couple of vampires that were just nomadic and i'm like is this our polite way of calling them gypsies because i don't remember gypsies being in the movie oh right but you then, mentioned that before we started recording i don't even know which vampires you were talking about apparently there's all alistair mary randall who out of all the names just randall randall <laughs> randall because they look at like in general we have vladimir henry yvette stefan safrina and then randall well it's the thing is like a lot of the names are very um like whimsical and mysterious and fairy tale like jasper and rosalie and even edward cullen like his last name kind of adds to that and then you get randall randall the kid from new jersey who worked at a video store you know, IMDb is not really helping me at all because it's it's just names and they don't mean anything to me. Like Tia and Kebby. The best thing to do is go on the fan Wikipedia because only the fans have enough attention to remember and write down who all these people are oh, and thanks, attach fans. photos. Yeah. Oh, Alistair is... Um, I, I know who Alistair is. Because, like I said, I'm not going to know any of these people's names. I'm just going to refer to them as their celebrity actual names. Because it's the only way I can keep track of them. Joe Anderson is in Across the Universe. 
Oh. He's got a great singing voice. I honestly thought that his career would really take off because he looks like um, the lead singer of Nirvana and sings like the lead singer of Nirvana. He does have a little bit of a Kurt Cobain thing going on. Yeah, I thought that his career would really take off because he sings like him, too. He has this sort of, like, kind of, like, (laughs) that's my Kurt Cobain impression. Did they, you would wonder, they, like, if they, like, I know it's, I know biopics have a stigma, and they're not always very good. I'm getting kind of sick of biopics. I'm kind of on that train, too, now. Because they're usually Oscar bait. Yeah. Like, they're very cut and dry, very clean Oscar bait. And we've had a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love the biopic that's not, like, an extension of this whole person's life, but just a day in the life of the person, you know? Mm. Give us a wacky adventure with this person. I think that's better. Mm -hmm. But we'll never get that. And we'll never, you know, because, like, I would love to see a movie in the light, you know, in, in the day in the life of... But we'll never get that because it's not safe. What's safe is doing the formula. But then also fans also ruin it too. So I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, I think I what I liked about... I think that Walk the Line and I'm Not There were kind of the peak of what could be done with a biopic. Because Joaquin Phoenix play Johnny Cash just so incredibly well and I guess I don't know maybe I'm biased because I love that movie I love Johnny Cash I love the music but also I'm not there did something so incredible with not only getting one person to play Bob Dylan but to get six different people to play Bob Dylan and it was more about the different stages that you go through in life and how you can feel like a different person in one part of your life than another Uh, I really loved I'm not there and it's like, okay, this is ex- as experimental as a biopic can get. It ends here. We don't need to keep That's going fair. after this. And then... And we... Just, yeah. Like, it extends even beyond the biopic, but, like, may I criticize Green Book? Let's totally criticize Green Book. What a... Like, at its core, it's not a bad concept, and it's a good story to tell, especially for that era of American history. Mm-hmm. But, like... In today's context, with the way it was filmed and made, like it's tongue-in-cheek and sort of just fun, it's like, this is really missing the point. (laughs) Very oscar Beatty, very safe. Right. Like, and that's 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 what's the most bothersome, is that when you can tell when it's just a movie made to win an Oscar because wokeness, you know? Right, but also I think that it was wokeness in the sense that baby boomers were comfortable with. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. not true. It's not even like, I don't mean wokeness, like everything woke is bad. No, I mean, like, right. no, I totally know that, what you mean. It's very clearly virtue signaling to a generation that's still uncomfortable with what, you know, with American history. Right. Exactly. It's like catering to what an older generation is comfortable with versus meeting the demands of what the younger generation and the more dominant generation at this point is asking for. Yeah. And then you know, the next year, they just, like, completely ignore female directors like Greta Gerwig and Lulu Wang, but then they're like, look, but Parasite won, and that was great, and everyone's like, yay, Parasite, but also, like, it felt like, okay, we can ignore all these other things, because look, we let Parasite win. 
That's that's true. Yeah. I mean, I love Parasite. I was glad. I'm I was, so glad it won. It, the fact that a yeah a international film won Best Picture, but it's like it's almost like the Academy will do that. They'll do something truly groundbreaking and then just ignore everything else. Right. Exactly. Like oh, we filled our quota for the year. We can just totally ignore everything else. Exactly. That's also I'm not gonna lie when um. Uncut Gems got snubbed. I was quite upset because that I loved that movie. That's fair. I was really upset about the farewell. Yeah, yeah, that movie but, and Lulu Wang like deserve so much better. Yeah, I'm just gonna completely. I, has anyone even thought about that? What are the what's what's the what's awards gonna look like now? I <laughs> what okay. movies have come out? Tom, I genuinely hope that for whatever reason. Sonic the Hedgehog is nominated. It, it's one of the only movies that can be nominated. Exactly. <laughs> based exactly. On their, based on their stupid, outdated list of rec, you know requirements, because they're all yep. old boomers, the only movie that truly can qualify is Sonic the Hedgehog. Isn't it so funny? I'm just saying, there I, are these weird I, things that have happened in cinema and then the pandemic happens. Like, Cats happens and then there's a pandemic. But also, Sonic the Hedgehog is the last movie in theaters to get over $100 million in the box office. Yeah, and here's another thing too. Like, I, there was a lot of really good releases on home video and mm-hmm. I think that this is the time to really address and praise them because any regardless of the medium even though i love going to the cinema like i spent most of this year going to a drive-in mm-hmm. does not change the fact that i also appreciate and love the home experience and believe any medium to get your picture or art to out to an audience is important so there's a lot of movies we could talk about that were like home releases or released online but it's like if this were the year where something, and this isn't even me saying, hey, because I love his movies and I love him, but I would totally love if Sonic the Hedgehog beat out Christopher Nolan's last movie, that despite there being a pandemic, he was very adamant that people put their life on the line to go see his motion picture because he's too stubborn to be, like, I hate that stubbornness. Like, I know. And I, the thing is... I really hate that stubbornness. I understand what he's saying. I get it. I get why he's saying it. But also, tone it down to like a five. It's also not constructive. Like, yeah. he just gets mad that there's a pandemic and they considered putting his movie online. And it's like, if you're so adamant about people seeing it in a theater, but there's a pandemic, why don't you get involved and try to help? The, like he's not actually helping anybody. Like that's a good like, point. Hey, you want it? You want it to be seen on the silver screen? Go do a drive-in tour. Go do right. something productive. Do something that brings people out to the cinema in a safe and fun way. But no, instead he's going to be like demand. Like no, must be seen in a movie theater where that one friend of mine on Facebook who I don't particularly care for can go on a rant about how much of an elite person he is because I drove three hours to see this movie and oh my god it's the only way to be seen and if you don't see it this way then I don't even know what you're talking about fuck you I hate you so much (laughs) I will cut out where I say 
but fuck We should me. just bleep over it. We should just say, fuck you, and then boop. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, These are masterpieces of cinema. For it's some like reason, because of the financial and traditional success of Sonic the Hedgehog versus the prestigious pressure of Tenet, I want to watch both of these films and see if there are any similarities in content and theme and then analyze them. I that's, hope Sonic the Hedgehog wins over Tenet. That's going to be my goal. And also, quite frankly, you know, for those people's careers in Tenet, I feel bad for them. And I know that sounds so silly because, like, they're actors, they have plenty of money. But... Can you imagine how exciting it must have been for them in that moment of their career to be like, I'm going to be in the new Christopher Nolan movie. This is it. I'm going to be taken seriously. This is going to skyrocket me to, you know, stardom legacy. And I was kind of excited for Robert Pattinson, too, because here we are getting to a point where people are going to take him seriously because I do think he's a good actor. I think he's got it in him. Yeah, he's he. I mean, the lighthouse was wonderful. Right. So I'm like, okay, great. A Christopher Nolan movie is exactly what Robertson Pat Robert Pattinson needs for his career. But um, you know what? There's a pandemic, and you know, everyone is so worried. Everyone in the cinema business is so worried that once the pandemic is over, nobody's gonna ever want to see a movie in a movie theater again. Quite frankly, nobody's thinking about it right now. We're not yeah. worried about it. And even so, when it is over, we probably will want to go see a movie or two. I know I want to. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. It's like when I would say, what was it? this is an odds thing we're going to have to eventually talk about. Sure. I won't make you watch the movie. Actually, I don't know. It depends on your comfort zone. But when Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez did the grindhouse movie oh no i can't watch it they made no i i looked up the synopsis i can't watch it okay it was too when much. they did that when they did that double feature grindhouse mm-hmm. they were trying to promote because i remember like tarantino does at least you know as creepy and as annoying as he can be he at least does try to engage a little more like he is a traditional cinema guy he shoots on film he wants it to be seen in a theater but he'll put the hateful eight on Netflix and re-edit it so it can air like a mini series. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's using the medium to its benefit. Right. And like he does the whole theater experience to be enjoyed. And it's like the irony with Grindhouse was maybe it was too soon, like that concept, because it bombed. It did bad. And you know, rightfully so. It was it was like you could have fun watching it and it's fun to watch, but is it good? No, it's not very good. But that is the type of thing that would have done tremendous right now when you can mm-hmm. go to a drive-in and have a nonsensical dumb movie on screen and just have fun in a safe way. Right. I think comedy should come back after this. I think that now is the time, similar to rock music, like we talked about in the last episode. Okay, if you're all afraid movie theaters are going to be a thing of the past after this, find out the new innovative thing that's going to propel it forward and make it better. Yeah. Also, it, it's probably time to bring back mid-budget movies. <laughs> right. Everything in the last 10 years has either been a super big blockbuster or a super low-budget movie. Like, mid-tier movies 
are fine. Like, why right. aren't, like, I, I, like, mid-tier movies I know stop being profitable because people are either seeing blockbusters or renting indie movies, but or now's the time to kind of, like, think about the landscape. Like, we can either make a movie intended to be watched at home or really create an experience you can't have at home. And I think that's why, you know, drive-ins came back, and that's why I think big chains are going to suffer but i think something like alamo will be fine because hmm. it is like a different experience like cinema files will always go Fucking uh i think what might be interesting is if what if we do smaller big screens so they're not as gigantic as like movie theater screens but still keep the intimacy of like, like almost makes instead of big movie theater rooms, make smaller, almost home theater looking rooms that feel like you're going to an Airbnb or you're going to an intimate viewing with your friends and you are all aware that you are with people who are taking care of their health and are being careful. Like, make it smaller, keep the chairs socially distant still. And just make it more intimate. Make it for a smaller viewing. Make it a smaller screen. So that way you don't have to spend so much money on a huge screen. Yeah. I think that's a direction they could go in for movie theaters. It shouldn't be as expensive to have um, like a smaller screen instead of gigantic screens. But I don't know. Christopher Nolan isn't picking up my phone calls. so. No, no he just wants it to be... The... He's going to complain about cinema but not actually be constructive about it right. like it, nothing it, and it, it does kind of make him sound like an old man he is an old it man. is a little it is a, a a wee bit on the like when i was your age we had to walk 500 miles just to get to the movie theater and then had to walk five extra miles just to get the popcorn so i want to complain one more time about this person okay i will i will bleep out their name but he doesn't listen, so I'm just gonna read exactly what he because it is a pretentious fucking piece of garbage. He's not gonna listen to until he realizes that maybe he could be on it, and then he'll I listen. don't want him on no, it. That's Never. Fine. I'm just saying that doesn't mean he's not gonna think it. And the funny thing is, too, is like we know somebody, we know a couple of people who have asked to be on the show and you know that that's totally fine. We're not talking about them. We're talking about somebody completely different than those people. And I'm like, shut, shut the fuck up. Let people well, enjoy watching movies the way they want to enjoy movies. You stupid, arrogant prick. Also, there are a lot of really good things happening with new movies. RE the farewell again, I'm coming back to it. The farewell is a great movie and is doing some wonderful things. That wouldn't exist back then. Though I love I, won- I love Casablanca and Audrey Hepburn movies. I love those movies. I love Maltese Falcon and Double Indemnity. But The Farewell wouldn't have happened when those movies were coming out. So it's okay no. to move forward. Yeah. I mean like old people. Oh, there's so many. Yeah. I wonder if with someone with that mindset, do they feel the more they double down, the more likely it is a girl will touch their pee-pee? I don't know. I think it makes them think that they're, like, deep and an old soul. God. And it's like... Timothy Chalamet and Lady Bird. Yeah, totally. 
<laughs> There's a war going on right now, guys. We should be contemplating it while I smoke cigarettes. <laughs> I love when she was like, yeah, you better call me or else I'll kill your family. I still love that <laughs> line so much. It's beautiful. Well, All right. we've speaking of families that movies. kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is 17 minutes in. No, yeah. it's 22 minutes. Yeah, so. it is, Dom. No, all right. We're gonna do it's it's a it's a cold day, and we've there's a lot to talk about with this movie, so we're gonna do our best to make it as not painful as possible. I know we started talking about it a little bit, but then started going into just sort of like what is happening with the film world right now, and our gripes with other people's gripe about it. <sighs> Guys, we're here to talk about. Twilight, Breaking Dawn, Part 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's here. Happy holidays. It's the end of 2020 by the time this episode comes out. And what oh my better way to say goodbye to this dumpster fire of a year than finishing it off with Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part 2. Hold on tight, spider monkey. <laughs> I don't really like the rain. Doesn't he own a shirt? I even yeah, this is this is gonna be Christmas time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. Except you <laughs> fuck you. Do you think vampires would get COVID? Hmm. No. Werewolves definitely would. Oh yeah. Totally. Of course. But um that's interesting because most traditional media vampire, and I think in this one they say vampires don't get sick. But an interesting idea that happened was in the movie Only Lovers Left Alive, if they drank blood from someone who had a virus like the HIV virus, it would actively kill the vampire. See, and I'm like, oh, that's an interesting concept. That makes sense to me. I get that. Yeah. It's blood. But. So like that that could be something, but um, I'm gonna read the log line on IMDb for Breaking Dawn Part Two. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Here we are. We're at the end. <laughs> We're finally at the end. After the birth of Renesame, did I say it right? Yeah, sure. Renesame. <laughs> Renesame. Votari. Slash Nessie, the Cullens gather other vampire clans in order to protect the child from a false allegation that puts the family in front of the Volturi. It really is some like soap opera drama type shit. Like this all oh happens God. because the angry vampire who was mad in the first movie, who we never saw in any of the other movies, shows up. Can't stand the wedding, throws a fit and leaves because werewolves are there. And then we see her for a brief moment. I guess she was going to apologize to the Collins. I don't know. It didn't seem like child. she was going to apologize. Maggie Grace just seemed angry, angry AF. Yeah. And she sees the child, the vampire child, and she's like, oh, they turned a child. And this whole fucking bit mm-hmm. is over the fact that they think that the Cullens turned a child mm-hmm. even though half of these fuckers have like psychic abilities or can read minds 
and they still have to do this big fucking the whole movie is a lead up to a standoff at the end which that that the conclusion of that pissed me off we'll get to it soon but um am i missing anything what what's, what's your take on this fucking movie i was <sighs> um it, it's like there are moments that could have been good there are moments that could have been interesting but i really just couldn't get past how unbearably exotic they made any vampire that wasn't white and also the ending itself didn't piss me off but the way the movie itself ends on its final scene after that is the one that made me think fuck this movie oh my god the the conclusion to this really pissed me off because like you said, there is, there is, this movie is the most wasted potential in the entire franchise. Totally. This could have been epic. And that was the thing about the final movie in Harry Potter. You're like, hell yeah, people are going to die and I'm going to feel bad about it. I'm going to feel bad for accidentally telling the people who haven't seen it yet. Shout out to Alyssa who found out very poorly from me. That one of the characters dies in the final Harry Potter movie, but this just falls apart at the seams. Yeah, it's um. So after the plot of the first one, the werewolves back off because Jacob is imprinted on an infant child. Bella wakes up and is now vampire and beautiful vampire, blue dress with now what hazel colored red. Colored and they're eyes. horny as fuck now. <laughs> Oh yeah, now they can bang all day. And uh, <laughs> that's the lesson that. from Stephanie. It's the lesson from Stephanie Meyer. Banging is okay so long as you're married. Right. And a vampire. And you've sold your soul. Your soul has been damned to hell. I don't know. Um. Also, you know what I realized when I was watching the CinemaSins for this? What's that? How come, if if beds are just for vampires being horny as hell, why why don't they break beds more often? Why does it only happen when they go on their honeymoon? Now that they're both vampires, he like unsnaps her dress, but that's it. They're both vampires. They should break everything. Yeah, why even have a? I guess because, it, you know what it is. It's because again. The bedroom, and very very much is imprinted in like the Anglo Puritan mentality as the love making place. Ew. So it's like realistically, like you said, these are vampires. They don't sleep, and they just want to bang, and they bang aggressively, and they break shit. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they fucking where first of all, like all the time? Right. And two, it, it, who gives a fuck? Just fuck in the woods. Yeah. Fuck it. Just fuck anywhere. Fuck in the kitchen. Yeah, if you're not going to sleep, what do you need the bed for? Yeah, but, like, I think it's still that reminiscence of, like... Oh, look, a like bed. Like, some people... Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what it is. Like, the bed is the place for, for lovemaking. Like, this is the spot where we make love. <laughs> so. Well. Uh, so, um... That's a fair question. Yeah, so... She's a vampire now, and she's like, oh my god, look at me. I'm hot as fuck. You're hot as fuck. 
Um, I want to use all my vampire powers. This is amazing. I love it. And then he's all like, but you're thirsty. And then all of a sudden she's like, gulp, I am thirsty. I am very thirsty. I need to drink blood. I'd like some blood, please. Money. Money, please. So, you know, they go into the woods. And it's strange how she can equally speed through everything, but she can also watch a flower unfold and blossom, which takes time. So wouldn't that take longer? I don't know. It hurts my brain. Yeah. Um... She goes to hunt a deer, but then smells a human and, like, breaks and goes for the human. But then Edward's like, don't go after human. And she's like, ugh, fine. Right. And it's like, you have good control. Right. That was another thing, too. She's immediately like, there's a human this many meters away from me and I want it. And he's like, no, no, this is a bad idea. And then all of a sudden, mountain lion. And they're like, yes, yes, mountain lion, good idea. And she eats the mountain lion. And he's like, wow, so much self-control. And it's like, she literally had none. She had zero self-control two seconds ago. Now she's being heralded as having so much self-control. My brain just had a thought. Okay. So, in keeping with the theme that this movie poorly, this whole franchise poorly tries to construct. She tries to hunt the deer, an innocent little deer, Mm -hmm. can't do it, Mm -hmm. but goes after human, but controls herself, and she attacks a mountain lion, which is a predator. Mm -hmm. Are we saying that we can justify their vampirism because they're eating predators? Oh, yes, totally. That's that's totally what they're saying. She's not a villain for eating the deer, even though I personally wouldn't have had a problem with her eating the deer. But they were like, oh, if she goes after the mountain lion, the deer is safe. She's not going after the deer. Yeah. Um, venison can be good when done well. Sure. I've never had it. I do like lamb, though. Also, having lived very briefly in Albany, and driving around those areas, or even if you live eastern Long Island, not to say that they should all die, but deer are a nuisance. Right. They just are patrons in Rochester. They just walk around town like it's nothing. They're in, they're invasive. Mm-hmm. They're dumb. They are not, like, essential to the ecosystem. Yeah, if you see a herd of them rushing towards you, you are in more danger than they are. Yeah, so um, our, we fully promote, if you see a deer... And you're a vampire, and you're hungry. Shoot it. <laughs> Kill it. Get rid Eat of it. it. Get it off the Southern State Parkway. <laughs> um, exactly. And also, what's funny about the... What's funny about the scene where she smells a human is the human just conveniently cuts himself... When he's when he's being spotted by the vampires. Yeah. Oh no, I hurt myself. It's almost like an infomercial. It's a bad infomercial. Like, are you avoiding are you avoiding vampires on your hike? <laughs> it, are you bad at hiking? 
don't you just hate it when this happens to you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really need to get a job. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was trying to come up with something, but my mind immediately blanked. Are you tired of this happening to you? No, that's how I feel about this entire movie. Um, so, okay. So Edward praises her for not killing a human, which is like the basic function of their entire way of being. So like, good job for doing the bare minimum here, kiddo. And then they're all like, oh my God, that's right. I have a baby. I should go see her. And then she flips out because the, she goes to see the baby. She's super happy to see the baby, but she's wondering, why is Jacob here? God, we haven't why even talked Jacob about the fucking CGI baby. I'm going to curse a lot in this oh, episode. I'm sorry. It, it's cold. I don't have the self-control for not uh, cursing in this episode. So The CGI baby is one of the most appalling and disturbing things I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's it's so weird, and I couldn't figure out what about it was so freaking weird. And then I found out when I was reading an interview with Bill Condon and, like, the other crew of this movie was that, you know, they need the baby to be young, like a newborn, but also appear like it is advancing. So it needs to have the features and the cognitive development of a child who is, like, two already. And thus, they created the CGI baby. And it's just not right. It's uncomfortable. It's gross. It's in the uncanny valley. It's, and then, um, this scene's hilarious. It's so not funny. Gonna lie. This scene's hilarious because she's holding her baby, but she's wondering why Jacob's there. And then, and then they're like, do we, do we tell her? And then... And then he takes the baby from her and is like, that's enough of that now. And it's like, dude, that's her <laughs> child. She died because of that monster, okay? If she wants to hold it, she can hold it for as long as she wants to. You dumb but idiot. you don't understand. It's a wolf thing. It's a wolf thing. And that's when they're all like, oh, yeah, Um. well, you were, like, dead? And... You know, eyeshadow was coming back to your face and your neck and back were snapping back into place. Um, this happened. And And she flips uh Right. And actually like I'm I'm kind of on her side about this a little bit. At first I was like, Oh come on, it's your friend. Like he was fine before you were a vampire. You're totally fine with him protecting you before you were a vampire. But also, she's like, don't come near my baby, you creep. And he's like, it's not like that. But the more that you say it's not like that, the more it's abundantly clear it is like that. Oh, it's 100% like right. that. Like, oh my god. They never, like, never make it not clear that it isn't like that. Like, they never say, right, like, we, we mentioned this in the, the last episode. There's never a moment that they present us with where it's not like that. My main thing is they try to play it off like that's not what it is. And here, like throughout the movie, when we meet all the other vampires, which we'll get to, there's plenty of moments where I figured, 
being that like all these you know otherworldly across international vampires are coming about and they're meeting this werewolf there might be room for like an inch like again in twilight in breaking dawn part one there was the opening for like a decent romance between two outcasted werewolves like that would have been cool but they missed it i'm like okay Breaking Dawn Part 2, it's like, you know what would be interesting? Bridge that gap mm-hmm. and have the werewolf make love to vampire, maybe? Ew. Like, because there's plenty of times where he's looking at vampires in that way. But then the movie, then, then like, by the end of the movie, they skip all that. And we see, like, he has, like, a fantasy of the future where he's, like, which, because the vampire baby ages, like, rapidly. Right. So she's like 18, but it's only like two years in the future. Also, they give and no they like, reason for that. They don't even come up s- with some sort of like fantastical, fantastical reason as to why that would happen. Yeah. Like, even if they were to just explain it like, oh, Bella, you were 18 when you died and converted. So therefore, your baby child will grow to be 18 and that's Right. It. That's an insane reason. But at least it's a reason, and I could see it being placed into the storyline. Yeah, if they were simply like, because your baby is half mortal, it will only grow to when you reach mortality. Like, that, and that's fine, right. but they never explain that. They're just like, she will conveniently grow up as an adult and live forever and then make love to werewolf? Right. Like, we gotta werewolf- speed through this pregnancy and this child's growth because we gotta get out of here in 20 minutes. Yeah, there was literally no purpose in her actually being older in the movie. Mm -hmm. You could have done the whole, this whole movie, which first of all is unnecessary. But like, if you were going to make this movie anyway, there is no difference from having it be an infant to having it be, except for I guess the part where she runs in the snow and jumps really high and the other vampire is like, an infant vampire, I must run away to the Volturi and create conflict but so what you're saying makes total sense you're saying that her being an infant or a child makes no discernible difference to the plot it's not like her being older is instrumental to what happens later on in the movie so then wouldn't have wouldn't irena just be equally as shocked to see a baby in their hands then they would be like Oh my god, they have a human baby. What are they doing? Exactly. So, I don't know. I mean, she barely talks when she's a child, so it's not like I'm concerned about her. She seems fine just being, like, weird in the corner of the room. I don't know why her thing is touching people's faces and giving them parts of her memory. I have no idea. I don't know. I just don't know. Um, so yeah, so Irina sees the baby. Oh wait, no, let's let's backtrack a little bit. I'm sorry. We're still on the whole like Jacob imprinting her thing. Um, well, what I don't even remember what happens after that. We can quite literally jump to where like they're in there. They're like where because it's Jacob's there. Jacob, Bella, and baby. There's a little but bit baby that happens. Is now like four. There is a little bit wait, that happens. happens? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> so so she's all like you named my baby after the Loch Ness monster. That was um a a true gem that could only exist in Stephanie Meyer's creation. 
Yeah. You named my baby after the Loch Ness Monster? Well, maybe Renesmee was a bad choice. It Bella. is, because I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. Nessie's oh, at least yeah. cute. Yeah, Nessie is adorable. Nessie's cute. I get it. So, they're like... Oh, also, they make the Cullens a home. I don't know how. I don't know if they just built it. I don't know if they bought the cottage. But there's a cottage right there. And then, literally, two minutes later, they're like, well, we have to leave this place. Yeah. And then Jacob is like, oh, no, you're not. What about me? And they're all like, what about you? And he's like, I'm going to make this about me. And they're like, don't do that. Oh, yes. yes. I remember this now. He, uh, how do I forget about Charlie? Oh, my God. And then we get some beautiful scenes with Charlie. Doing his dad best. To understand anything happening. Right. So, out of vengefulness, I guess, out of spite, Jacob goes to Bella's dad and is all like, she's fine, but she's different now. And he's like, what do you mean different? So he decides to take off all of his clothes and turn into a werewolf in front of Charlie. That was the best. Oh, I remember now, because you know what it was? Yeah, they were like, oh, now that Bella vampire, we must move away. Right. Even though they just show them the beautiful home that they put together for them. They're like, well, let's just pack it all up and head out somewhere else. Maybe Brazil. Because we have to pretend like Bella is dead and move away. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, that was like the worst plan of all time. (laughs) Because, (laughs) I mean, like. Their, their whole thing is to not get caught as vampires and to be inconspicuous. But what, what, okay, you mar- you bring this innocent 16-year-old girl into your life. Yep. You turn her into a monster. Yep. You've won the trust of her father, who honestly had all the right not to trust you. Yeah, did not deserve that trust at all. And then you're going to say, we're going to tell him that Bella's dead, and we're just going to pick up and move away? It's yeah, like, just, okay, no... there has to be a better way. Right. And, you know, throughout all these movies, they were always like, what about Charlie? What about Charlie? Well, we're just going to pack up and leave now. Yeah, there's literally a million better plans. Like, hey, Bella, you're not allowed to see your family ever again? Well, I, I kind of... She doesn't congratulate care. Jacob. I congratulate Jacob for being the only one to say, like, this aunt, this man is owed better than this. Totally. So he breaks the spell and goes, hey, which also think about it, because Charlie is not only the sheriff, but good friends with the tribe, mm-hmm. wouldn't it just make more sense and be more helpful if he was aware mm-hmm. of the vampires and the werewolves so that he could, like, better, like, think about like there would be no third movie if that were the case because like if in the first twilight he knew then we wouldn't have had all this conflict right because he would just know what to do because you know he's a competent competent man right but like like i even think back to new moon when like charlie and the and the and the his friend were going hunting through the woods that man had to pretend like he was hunting trying to protect the werewolves it's like just tell the man right like, for the vampires, it makes sense. They want to hide away from humanity. What? How does it help the werewolves? I don't know. 
I don't know, maybe, no, I don't even want to say that. I was going to say, like, because they are Native American, because Stephanie Meyer made it so, that would give them a reason to not want to feel any more hunted by humans, but also... Like, Stephanie Meyer just chose to make them indigenous people because, you know, whenever you can't explain anything fantastical, just blame it on another culture and way of being because it is mystical to Stephanie Meyer. I don't know. I don't even like that I was able to try to make that association, but here we are. Yeah, it's something else, mm -hmm. but like... But that scene's fucking hysterical because Charlie's like, "Oh, what do you, what? Why? Why are you taking you off your clothes?" Your yeah. And then he turns into a big ass wolf, right. and he's just like, "What in the actual fuck?" Now, <laughs> like, what just happened? I know that's a moment where we could challenge, like, a plot point about, like, oh, he's able to break the gag oath that he can't tell anybody. But at that point, he had already broken away from Sam's pack. So I sort of assumed that once he broke away from Sam's pack, he also broke away from that gag oath. So I, I assumed also, that's why he was um, able to tell Charlie. The gag oath was broken in the second. Yeah, movie. totally. Totally. Quite literally by all of them. Yeah, they like, all, all broke it. Like all the, these angry, chest pumping werewolves who all somehow pretend to live by this yeah. code, all broke the very basic rule in the second movie. Right. Also, if you want to keep werewolves a secret, maybe don't claw your girlfriend's face. Yeah. Just pro tip. I love how there's never... I mean, we'll never... I was going to say, this movie never holds anyone accountable for their abusive behavior, and I realized it's because... If we start holding the werewolves accountable for their abusive shit, mm -hmm. then we have a whole fucking bucket list to hold Edward Cullen accountable Totally. For. Oh, also, I realized, speaking of holding people accountable, um, I said that in the last episode, Breaking Dawn, the book came out when the third movie came out. It came out in 2008, which was the same time as the first movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's even more confusing because, I don't know. I guess I don't know what would keep people seeing this movie if they already know the end of the book, but I am not a Twilight girl, so I, I cannot tell you. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. May I do a quick interruption yes. on this program? Yeah, do it. Um, this won't come, this episode's not going to come out until the week of Christmas. Yeah. And most people will know this, but I, some my phone kept buzzing for some reason, and I've ignored it. But I'm like, all right, I gotta right. check. I, I I'm excited for this news because I love I love Spooderman. Oh boy. I love Spooderman, so this news excites me. Um, Alfred Molonia. Molina. Did I say his name right? Alfred Molina. Molina. He played he played Doc Doc in this in Spider Man Two. I love Doc Ock. The greatest this greatest Spider Man movie to ever exist. Yes. True he fact. is returning as Doc Ock. I feel like I heard that already. Well, you might have heard it earlier today because the news broke today. It wasn't today. You know what? I think I heard about him, like, 
oh, Alfred Molina's in contact with Marvel. And at that point, you're kind of like, well, if they're getting all the other Spider-Men together, they're going to bring Alfred Molina back on as Doc Ock. So I'm, I'm not that surprised by that news. I'm excited for it, just the same, because uh, Spider-Man 2 is my dad's favorite Spider-Man movie. Oh, is it? Yeah, really? and um, when he had his heart surgery in 2012... Um, although he would say it's not heart surgery, it totally was heart surgery. Uh, I wrote on his little, like, heart plushy, like, get better soon, Doc Ock, because of all of the, like, f- tubes and stuff like that. Um, so it was kind That's of like amazing. a joke that we had, that it called him Doc Ock. That's, I love that. That's Yeah, beautiful. so I'm, I'm excited for that news. I like Alfred Molina. He's, he's a good actor. He... He so, brings a lot of gravitas to the yes. character. What we could, that, those are Ots movies, by the way. Yes, we are going to do at some point the pre MCU superhero movies. We will. And like, because here's the thing we are going to do pre MCU Marvel movies or superhero movies in mm-hmm, general. Mm-hmm. But I feel like out of all of them, spider-man is the one that's worth its own totally like i even though there's technically more x-men movies i don't want to talk about all the x-men movies i feel like we're gonna have i think to. that's gr- maybe we'll talk about some yeah, of them, but yeah. like well we're gonna we're gonna talk about blade we're gonna talk about daredevil electra i Ghost can't wait Rider. to get to daredevil <laughs> and electra it's gonna be so bad ghost rider those all deserve one episode but <laughs> But, but, Spider-Man, I would argue, is worth its own, like... Mini-series? The, the France own mini-series, because <sighs> Spider-Man 2, to this day, is still the greatest Spider-Man, even one of the best superhero movies ever made. Yeah, Spider-Man 2 is so good. That's like peak Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. peak Spider-Man. I love um, Tom Holland, and I really do love... Um, the new Spider-Man renditions, but they, they're missing that, like, punch that Spider-Man 2 had. I just appreciate that Spider-Man has finally reached the point where it acknowledges the joke that was in Kimmy Schmidt, where it was too too many Spider-Men. <laughs> too many Spider-Men. At last, I will be the Spider-Man! <laughs> Do you remember... Yeah. Did you realize... I didn't realize this until recently... Joey Diaz was in Spider-Man 2. Joey Diaz? He's the comedian who shows up on, like... He's, like, friends with Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer, Bill Burr, Joe, um, Rogan. He shows up on, like, all their shit. Oh, yeah, this guy. Yeah, he's he's in Spider-Man 2. He's the guy that says, you want to get to him, you gotta get to us. Oh, yeah, yeah. The big, um, New York moment. Of, like, everybody banding together, New York City, teamwork, camaraderie, etc., etc. I think America needs to watch Spider-Man 2 right now. Like, all of America. We need to remember what it was like to be Joey Diaz in that subway car. Seriously. You want to get through him, you gotta get through me. Um, but that's exciting. So that is the end of my breaking news segment. <laughs> I think I just kind of figured, because when there was news that he was in talk with Marvel, 
I was like, yeah, it's going to happen. But it's still nice to know that it's definitely happening. I can't wait it's, to see yeah. what weird shit they do with this Spider-Man movie. Well, I mean, they've opened up the world to... Once you open up the fact that different dimensions and universes can exist in this movie franchise, like, fuck it, man. Just go buck wild. Yeah, now, now Donald Glover should definitely be Spider-Man. We should just... He can be Spider-Man. He Spider can be Spider-Man. Because you know what? There were talks about him being Spider-Man. He talked about it in his comedy special way back when. They should just make it canon now. Just do it. Just make it canon. If you're going to get everybody else in it and be Spider-Man, get Childish Gambino to be Spider-Man. He can be a good Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. Where were we in Twilight? Okay. Speaking so, of Jacob tells Dad... Your Charlie, daughter's yes. your daughter's alive because I want them to stay here and you can't put through you can't put your dad through any more of the shit that you already have. So I'm tattletaling. And you know, snitches do get stitches. In the words of Eleanor Shellstrap. I'm totally I was totally for what Jacob did. I in my mind I'm like, you can't put this man through more. You're also going to rob Bella of her family. Like, this is absurd. There's no reason for any of this. Like, even they could have totally kept the secret from him and be like, Edward and I are going to travel the world for business now and we'll visit once a year. Right. Like, that's also, all you had to do. What was their plan? It's not like turning Bella was a surprise. They talked about this since the second movie. And they kept, yeah, but remember the they kept asking the question... What about Charlie? And now they're all of a sudden like, oh, uh-oh, she's dead. And it's like, yeah, you dumb idiots. This was always going to happen. She dead. She dead. She did. Also, you know what we forgot to mention in the last episode? These vampires are, like, old. They probably have all these fancy textbooks. They're smart. They've read for hundreds of years because what else are they going to do? And then when they try to find out if a vampire can have a baby, they just search it on Yahoo and bing. Like, they don't even go to Google. They're just like, dup, ba, dup, they ba, baby and Google. vampire. They couldn't even afford Google. Yeah, so I just, I forgot to mention that in the last episode. I think, unless it is in there, then you just cut this out. Because we're all, I'm all over no. the place with this, these two movies. It's all good. But even Robert Pattinson was like, why is he using Yahoo? They're vampires. They've been around forever. So, Charlie immediately goes over to the Cullens. And they're all like, what if Bella rips his face apart? Which would have saddened me greatly, but also would have upped the stakes that I have been looking for this entire series. If she destroyed her dad because she ate him that would be the ultimate tragedy of charlie swan and it would be the ultimate guilt she'd have to live with yeah i'd be fine with it i'd be fine with it if it would make bella realize that she had a really good dad but yeah so she suddenly needs to act like everything's normal He's all like, oh my god, what happened to you? You don't seem like my daughter. And she's all like, 
I don't need to tell you anything that I don't want to, which is rude. It's very it's rude. It's very rude. She is his only child, and she is dead. And she's just like, I don't need to tell you anything. Get out of my room. Now that I'm, like, legally bound to another man, I don't have to tell you a damn right. thing. Right. Telling mom never even comes up at all in the conversation. The human friends are just never in this movie. They never come up again either. One no. human was enough. So she tries and her then, best not to eat him. That happens. That's right. And she don't eat him. And Bare minimum he's here. Just like, this is a thing I don't need to know. And she goes, it's a thing you don't need to know. And he goes, all right. Yeah. And, and that's the end of They that. show Edward with Nessie. And dad's like, oh, adoption. And they're like, laws, 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 laws. And he's like, I guess it's not one of those need to know things. I would have punched Edward in the face at that point. Like, I've mentioned this before. We're not here to promote dads who think that they have control over their daughter's, bo- daughter's bodies. But, like, from his perspective... That's a very confusing situation. Yeah, because it's no longer... Hey, he. If Charlie were to knock out Edward and throw a fit, that's not Charlie demanding agency over Bella. He's more concerned because Bella has no agency. Right. Like him, his concern isn't, why don't my daughter listen to me? His concern is, I want my daughter to live a full life, and it seems like she's 100% committed to something she might not be ready for, which to be honest is exactly what's happening. Totally. And also to him, it's like one, there's a baby here. You said that she yeah. that the baby's adopted and everyone made a weird face, which makes you wonder, okay, then what could have happened? Did he get somebody else pregnant and Bella's going along with it? Then I'm mad at that too. And it's also like all right, you were also gone the length of time it takes to have Right, a baby. exactly. Like, you could have had a baby and nobody would have known. But it's not like she was gone for nine months. She was gone for, like, two months. And now there's a baby there. It's confusing. Baby. Oh, my God. This is a CGI baby in the family now that they got to worry about. It's got to eat CGI food. It needs CGI diapers, and CGI diapers are expensive. <laughs> There's so much so happening. Okay, so then she's like growing at an alarming rate. So, oh my god, she's a child now. And then, yeah, that's when Irina just sort of looks at them angrily from a mountain, doesn't say anything. And decides to go snitch to the Voltori, like, they turned a baby. And in her case, snitches definitely get stitches. Yeah. And something we learned, because that's what this franchise is really good at, is uh, not filling us in on important details until they need to be expressed. Nope. Well, not even need. Like, they make up things on the fly. Like, they make up, like, oh, why is this a problem? Because the Voltori outlawed having baby vampires because they can't control themselves and they destroy everything. Right, right conveniently also an idea that 
She was so stubborn and angry that she ran all the way to Italy <laughs> to rat them out instead of like confronting them and learning like, oh, this is a in like this is a vampire baby. Like that never happens. This is historic. Right. And what I like about the other cousins, like her siblings, is they do have a moment where they're like, I don't think I understand what's happening and I'm not sure if I'm ready to. So at least they have a moment where they're like, we need to process this entire thing that's happening. And then Renesmee does her whole like weird hand touching thing. Um, yeah. Not okay in COVID. Don't touch people's faces with your hands. Don't do what Renesmee does. And then you find out that the reason that the cousin's upset is not only because of Laurent, which they made some weird random connection to, but... Also because apparently their mom created an immortal child. So they do the most metal of flashbacks to what looks like the Dark Ages. And they show their mom being destroyed by the Volturi. And then Dakota Fanning throws a fucking baby into a pile of fire. That was hysterical. That was the most metal scene out of any of these movies. She just throws the baby into the fire. Burn! That was good. It was good. Um, so yeah, uh, vampire babies are bad. And I get it in the sense that it's an issue in inter- Interview with a Vampire with Kirsten Dunst because she feels trapped inside of her child body but has the maturity of, like, a hundreds-old vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She will always be that age. Right. Yeah. So... But that's that's not conflict we're going to get here. Not interesting conflict. No. Even though, like, it, that was... That part of it, like, that scene and that concern made the most logical sense to me. Yeah. Right. So now the Volturi is on alert. And they believe they have to kill the baby. Time to assemble the boys. Time to assemble the crew. (laughs) We got a crew montage. Assemble the boys. They're going to have a beautiful montage of assembling vampires from all around the world. All the stereotypes, all the time. All of the celebrity call sheets. Yeah, a lot of big names show up, which, I mean, I get it. Like, here's my thing, like, Probably one of the most fun roles to play is a vampire. This franchise is huge, and I'm sure a lot of people were like, yeah, I'd like to come in and be a vampire, especially, like, not involved in this melodramatic plot, but just to be, like, part of this big action sequence. Oh, my God, Lee Pace is totally a rock star in this. Yeah, so I'm going to go down to the list. Yes. The list. (laughs) I could not remember names, so I pulled up a list of all the different clans of vampires who show up for this, we have, well, the Volturi is the, you know, the Italians, which I love that they constantly make fun of Italians in this. Totally do. I did appreciate Italian humor. The first, well, the first coven, the one that kind of causes the problem is the Denali coven. Okay. That's the one that, um, what's her name? The one that, the, the snitch. Maggie Grace's character, Irina. Irina, yeah, she's part of this coven. Okay. So we they they join alliances, mm-hmm. but I think the one that the the most interesting character to come out of them is Garrett. That's Lee Pace, right? 
Is that Lee Pace? Yes. Yeah, Lee Pace. Yeah, that's Lee Pace. He's my guy. Um, then we get the Egyptian Coven, <laughs> who are the, um, they don't give them last names. They don't give them last names, and they make them, like, generically Middle Eastern to the point that Stephanie Meyer just could have called it Agrabah, and it would have been just as descriptive. Yep. yep. That's what we get. Rami Malek as Benjamin, the Avatar, the Avatar vampire. Yes, he can control the elements. And then uh, we get the the Irish, the, the Irish. Irish. Coven. I know my I, I know my accent's terrible, but it's just kind of going along for the plot because that's what they're all caricatures, like deep red hair, I know. the Irish hat. I think they're wearing plaid too. They're probably, if they're not they're wearing, wearing plaid, plaid, they're bu- they're wearing a bunch of layers and like some tweed over layers. Oh, we come from Ireland to here to help the Collins. That's that's what they're doing. That's their whole spiel. One vampire's special get... abilities is probably like making potatoes appear out of the ground. Yes. Even though they can't important... eat potatoes. That's important during a famine. <laughs> yes. Uh, then we get maybe, in my opinion, the most egregious stereotypes of all time. Oh, yeah. The Amazon coven. Yeah. Ugh, it's so bad. Uh, that was the moment. Like, I, I really hated, like, what they did to the Egyptian vampires. But then they got to, and we were talking about this back and forth, about, like, what was more egregious. Um, this is pretty bad. Yeah. Zafrina and Sina. Sure. Two Amazonian women in, like, you know what? I'm not too familiar, so maybe there's some, like, cultural root to this look. But the look that they had was so, like, they had, like, painted face makeup on yeah. and, like, big beads. and it's Spears. Just, like, they're holding spears. They're holding spears, and they're wearing sandals in the middle of, like, the cold weather. Like, I get it. I get it. You're vampires, but, like... You also have to kind of blend It's in. also just insane to me, I'm going to say it again, that for whatever reason, if a vampire isn't white, that they just, like, don't shop at the Gap or Express. Yeah. That they just wear all of these clothes that just happen to be, I don't know, generically ethnic. It's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then we, then we have the Romanian cover. Yeah. Which nobody invited these two. These two assholes showed up on their own accord because they hate the Italians. And they say that multiple times. They're like, we hate those Italians. We hate those Italians. And it consists of, get it, haha, punchline. His name is Vladimir. That's also kind of uh, stereotypical because, I don't know, I know Romanian people. They don't sound like that. Vladimir. And in my mind was like, was that... Does Stephanie Meyer think she's being witty by calling a vampire from Romania Vladimir? Like Vladimir the Impaler? Right. I think that she thinks she's being super coy. And it's just confusing because it leads you to believe... Like, what if he actually was Vladimir? That'd be kind of cool. What if he was a Dracula? Yeah. But... And then it's like... Not this Hot Topic mall kid. Yeah, played by Noel Fisher, who's the... um, the very gay bully in Shameless. Right. They get married in the most recent season. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, good yeah. on them. But what happened to the... I really like the last boyfriend he had. Oh, I know. I did too. Um, They kind of ended it... They kind of ended it weird. So, like, Liam was going through a phase where 
either his medication was off or he was going through um, a really bad phase in his uh, bipolar disorder and he made it really, really difficult on his other partner and then his other partner just sort of left. That's fair. I really yeah. liked I liked his other partner and his other partner was well adjusted and was very good at taking care of disenfranchised people. Totally. Um yeah, Liam goes to prison and Mickey just happens to be his cellmate. Yeah. Yeah. But it was always gonna be the two of them and that's fine. Totally fine. It is and what it is. Stefan, yeah. who we don't need to talk about him, he's not that important. He's there. Uh then the yeah. French coven, which is just two Me. of them. And then the nomads, which I mentioned at the top of the episode, with wasn't Alistair like Joe Anderson plays Alistair? Wasn't he the one that they find like about to feed in like New Orleans? Who was the one that they? Wait, I thought that was Lee Pace. That was Lee Pace. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so he's about to feed. I think it's just that like he doesn't do what they do, but also they've been friends for a very long time. That's right, and um, so. also around this time. Alice disappears. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we totally forgot. Alice disappears and leaves a weird message in a Shakespearean novel. Yeah. Oh, she rips a page she out. She rips a page out. She leaves clues Very for Bella cool. to find. She leaves clues for Bella to find because they're trying to piece together a plot because it's better than having us know the plot, I guess. I don't know. Also, like, she specifically leaves the notes for Bella to find so nobody else finds it. But who would have stopped anybody else from picking up that Shakespearean novel and being like, what? Who wrote this note in here? That looks like Alice's handwriting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and their whole thing, they got a plan for the eventual arrival of the Voltari. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. What is it? Was there a training montage? Jasper's not there. There is a training montage where they just, like, show fancy powers by the vampires, and Alistair is like, you know what? I'm mad you guys got us into this. I want nothing to do with it. I'm just gonna hang out in the attic. And you know what? Fair. Yeah. He had the best Fair. of all of them. Yeah. And that's when we find out that the whole reason Bella hasn't been able to be affected by... All of, most of, all of the vampire powers is because her truest power as a vampire was being a shield. It was a defense power. Being immune to vampires. Yeah. Even though she could be affected by pathokinesis and Edward could astral project to her and uh, some other shit happens. Yeah. But now we know she can like shield against other vampire powers so they train to hone her powers and in the process just beat up edward a whole lot right and also okay i kind of like the idea of like your vampire power is something that's always been stirring inside of you whether or not you become a vampire and unlock that but then the other things make no sense okay so like the girl who can lightning bend she just like always like lightning or something. Yeah, like what is Yeah, that? like was Rami Malik always the apple? Right, exactly. <laughs> and 
like with Rosalie's extreme beauty, like, okay, sure, she was always beautiful beyond her peers. And then Emmett is a himbo. So like, okay, it's super strength. But like, I don't know how it makes sense for any of the other super powerful vampire abilities. Like, what was Alec doing in his lifetime as a human where, like, gray smoke that paralyzes and blinds your victims makes sense? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, what are, where is the origin for smoke? Right, hands? exactly. Maybe he worked as, like, a barbecue apprentice. Who knows? So, it's a weird thing, but they make it the whole plot point is that, like, oh, Bella's so special because she's a shield. And Captain America throws his mighty shield. Right, exactly. Those shield must yield. I'm very tired. This movie's exhausting because we're not even. It is exhausting. Are we at the climax yet? So, so <laughs> training montage. Training montage. Alice has disappeared. Um, monster baby's growing. Yeah, I think does this they happen? They take her. Yeah. Does this happen first, mm-hmm. where Bella follows up on the notes and goes to see a lawyer, and the lawyer kind of tells Bella <laughs> the plan? Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. No, I was just going to say, I think that they drop Renesme off at her, at Charlie Swan's house first. And he's like, oh, you're really growing. And God bless him for trying to keep a solid composure in front of his weird grandchild because any other grandparent would be like, what the fuck is going on here? Why has this kid I saw three months ago grown to a, like, six-year-old body? Right, exactly. Anybody else would be horrified. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. She goes, That's all I got on that. She sees lawyer, learns a bit. They play it off as, like, this doom and gloom, like, everybody's gonna die. You have to protect the baby. Right. And then Christmas. Here are passports. Christmas. We gotta talk the Christmas scene. Fa la 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 vampires. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a nice heartwarming seasonal scene, which we hope you guys, if you did watch the movie, enjoy for the holidays. It's Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. what Charlie deserved all along. A fishing trip, a wife, and Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Charlie. And it's like, what is it, the day before the battle, too? I want another series of books from Stephanie Meyer where they're all just from the dad's perspective. I don't want Stephanie Meyer to write it. That's fair. That's I want, fair. like, I want somebody to thoroughly read this material and give it to someone to write, like, a dad's perspective being Charlie. Fair. Fair. I think I would love that series. Or make it a Netflix series. Yeah. Let's do it. Like, my daughter's in love with a vampire. Oh my god, that'd be such a good comedy movie. Yeah. My daughter's in love with a vampire. It'd be like that James Franco movie that happened with Brian Cranston, but instead, from the point of view point of view of a dad who's like, Jesus Christ, my daughter wants to be a vampire now. It's all she ever talks about. That could work really well. I think that'd be a good movie. Mm-hmm. Anything else happen at Christmas significant? Not really, right? I don't know. Jacob is weird and he gives her a dumb bracelet. That's about it. 
Jacob is just like constantly like always touching oh, Renesme. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it's weird. Ugh. Battle scene. Battle, Battle scene. scene. We get to like the genuinely most exciting point of the movie, which has a devastatingly disappointing conclusion for me. Yeah, totally. They shot the, I read in the in the factoids of the development, this scene it was shot on a set but took like five weeks to to conclude which because it is a big battle it's a big battle a lot of vampires enough characters that we have to pay attention to and it's a fairly epic battle i wish that also more of these characters were involved in the series as we went along like what if when you know they're concerned about uh cam gigandet's vampire getting around and stuff like that they like consult their friends or you know uh, Carlisle Cullen is like reaching out to his friends because he's concerned about the baby being born. Like there were so many other times you could have introduced other vampire friends. 100%. It's not like there was that much going on in the other movies. No, there really wasn't. So, stare down. And then. And then Michael Sheen comes here to fucking save the movie. Michael Sheen comes and he hams it up. Hams it up. Hams it up. Um, they have long negotiations and they're talking and Michael Sheen realize like he he comes to understand and realize like yeah this vampire wasn't turned this vampire was born a vampire and he's like super excited and getting he goes Whoa! or something I know like that, that laugh. Right? He does this weird laugh. Yeah. That poor child, but she totally deserved it at that point because she is a freak of nature. And then he goes, and oh. He... he goes, oh, so this chick lied to us. We must murder her. Right. They murder right. And her. They, so they, they murder her. Snitches get stitches. Um, and then her sisters are like, oh, my God. And Lee Pace at this point is like, I love you. I'll be with you forever. And I'm like... Aw, he's had more plot development in these few scenes than anybody else has in any of these movies. I buy his romance more than Edward and Bella's. Totally. Lee Pace is great. Lee Pace is wonderful. But Mm -hmm. what was the initial tick that caused the fight to begin? Was it like, they were like, she's an anomaly and we love her, but we need to kill her because world can't know about vampire? So, I mean, actually, I think that this is a very interesting part what they decide to try to do to you know insurrect uh violence is they say we don't know what she's capable of we don't know what she'll become there's nothing else like her she's a threat to us so Ah. we should kill her yes and then the battle begins and what a battle it is it's surprisingly a like, because what is it? The, the first standoff, this moment, I remember I texted you, I'm like, this was brutal. Like, the fight yeah. begins, they're running at each other. Um, Carlisle immediately dies. Yeah, he, they have this epic jump where they lunge at each other, and then Michael Sheen lands, and in his hands is the head of Carlisle. I'm like, damn. Because, like, I know. He's a I know. Staple. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. He's the staple of this franchise and he's always been the warm, comforting 
voice. He's always been like kind and nice. So to have him be the first one to go like that is brutal. And I was like, there are stakes here. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's the patriarch. And then he, his death is given no time whatsoever. So you're like, oh, shit, this just got real. People are going to die. Also, once again, killing a vampire has changed because it's not as literally icy as Eclipse is. Like, the deaths aren't nearly as focused on the icicle CGI effect, probably because it would have been too difficult with that many people in the shot. Yeah. So they take that back a little bit. And they go to full-on battle, and it's like, you see these different vampire powers, um, they, and a lot of people are dying. Like, that's the effective thing. Like, people, the some of the werewolves are dying. I know, that vampires, part made me sad. Yeah, like, the youngest vampire gets killed, mm-hmm. and then his sister goes off with him, trying to, like, avenge him, and then... Mm-hmm. Um, what was funny, there was a hysterical moment. I forgot which Voltaire it was, but it was the tall one who barely says anything. Right, right. The depressed one who's forced into loyalty. Yeah, literally two, what is it? I think both two vampires run at him. And right mm-hmm. before he's killed, he just says, finally. And then he's dead. Yeah, he wanted to die. He, was he wanted waiting. to die more than any other vampire. He's like, finally. 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 One. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Two. Uh, uh, uh. Um, and th- it's just this. I can't even remember like all the details of it, but this battle was really, like, for the first time ever. Like you mentioned, stakes. Like I was like, wow, mm-hmm. like they are dying. At and some point, the earth cracks open, and you can see lava at the core of the earth. And vampires on both sides are just falling into the lava. Oh, they also feel deserved when Dakota Fanning got murdered. Hell yeah. That skill made her a sociopath. Yeah, and then Edward Edward and Bella murder um, Michael Sheen. Jasper dies at some point. Yeah, they all die. Yeah. But then, and then um, the most unfortunate of twists. This is the point where I remember being like, are you fucking kidding me? Reverse, reverse. Fucking... Oh, because we didn't even say what happens before the battle starts is Alice and Jasper show up. <coughs> mm-hmm. And they bring, she goes, read my thoughts. You'll see what happens. And we just assume that this is all in real time. Like he ignores what she says. Like, fuck you. We're going to do our plan anyway. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as he dies, as soon as Michael Sheen Arrow dies, he like snaps back to reality and we're like, wait a minute, nothing's happened. This was all in his fucking mind. Nothing was real. Nothing was real. And it was Alice feeding him the prediction of what would happen if they decided to battle. And then like two Brazil, like two unfortunately indigenous looking Brazilian people come out of the woods to be like, I am half vampire. I have lived my whole life happily and no one suspects a thing. Okay, when he, when Arrow asks him, how old are you? I kept waiting for him to say, seven weeks old. Or like, <laughs> I was born yesterday. Because <laughs> like, the rate that these vampire, uh, half vampires grow, I was just like, that guy was born two days ago. Yeah, 
what did he say? He was like, I'm what, a hundred something years old? Yeah, and I was like, oh, right, of course they would go in that direction, but I really yeah. wanted him to say... I was oh. born three weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. So, and- with this revelation, Michael Sheen's like, well, we clearly don't want to go to battle. We came here for nothing. Yeah, which to me was the biggest cop-out, because like, the only interesting thing going on so far in this franchise was the fact that the Voltori, and like I even said this in previous episodes, when it gets to the Voltori stuff, I dig it. I dig this stupid, other like dramatic soap opera vampire drama shit. And it's because the Voltari represent like this authoritarian figurehead that like, and we learn from all these other vampires as they're introduced in this movie, like they are all have something against the Voltori. You know, they're they're all they're, they're everybody has a reason to want to overthrow this oppressive regime. We get all this exposition and reason to hate the Voltori and want them to be taken out, for it to be settled with a flash forward image and him just going, Oh, cool. Never mind. Right. Right. And also like they keep leading up to the idea that Anybody who has a strong ability would be somebody that the Volturi would, like, save and then force them to join their league so that they continue to have the strongest vampires. Hence the reason why Alice fled, because she was afraid that her powers would be used against them. Um, Although it's very convenient that when she wants to show him you know, what could happen in the future, she has control over it all of a sudden. She has control of what she is showing. And she's lucky that it wasn't anything like, oh, I don't know, what kind of movie do you want to see? And now you know what movie we're going to see in three months. Yeah. Like, it's it's really convenient that the memory, or like the premonition that she shows him is the thing that is about to happen. Total deus ex machina. Like, none of this Mm -hmm. matters. It's so disappointing. Yeah. It's like, I would if I were one of the other clan vampires, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, are you kidding? Like, we just established how much the Voltori is a threat to our existence, and we're gonna just be like, all right, they they agreed to not fight, so we're good now. Right, and also I feel like what's the point of the controversy of a vampire baby? If they're just both equal parts human and equal parts vampire, you're like, do you drink blood? Yes. Also human food. Do you die? Yes. Also, I live for a very long time. It's like, okay, so what are we all doing here? And then he's like, by the way, I bit my mother when she died during pregnancy. And she's all just like, hi, I'm a vampire now. And it's like, okay, so... Then they have the ability to turn others into a vampire, even though they're not entirely vampire. It doesn't make sense. None of it. That's because it's an interesting idea that Stephanie Myers introduces, but never fully develops. Right. So, Caius tries to, like, be a sassy, gossipy queen and is like, are you just going to let them leave? And he's like, hell yeah, I'm going to let them leave. I don't want to die. And then they're like, okay. And then that's it. And that's that's literally it. Like, there, there's nothing else after the movie except the scene that makes me personally the most angry. 
everything about so, this, like... Yeah. Yeah. All right, so movie... What, there's nothing else left, right? The movie ends here, they, I think. They basically just show Alice, like, looks into the future and sees, like, Jacob and Nessie have mom and dad's blessing, and Edward reads her mind. So he's all like, yeah, no, I'm totally fine with this super incel dude being the partner of my child. Fine, whatever, cool, smiles. And then... The thing that drives me crazy is the scene, the movie ends with Bella and Edward in a field in sunlight and they're never sparkling. No, the movie ends, because doesn't every movie end like that? They're just. But they don't sparkle! And they're not sparkling. They're in the sunlight and they're not sparkling. And I'm like, what was the point of Uh, any of this? Shut it down. They're not sparkling. There's and then no need for any of there's no need for any of it. And then she's all like, "Oh, I'm gonna loosen up my shield powers because that's a thing that I can do now because of plot." And look how much I've loved you more than anybody could love anybody in the entirety of life and death and hell and whatever else. I don't. Nobody loves more than me. And then they play that song that I heard so much as a bridal consultant. And play the Christina Perry song that she wrote for this movie. And they do a montage. Another montage. And that's it. That's the movie. That is the movie. That's it. I am tired. It's long. It's drawn out. It's it packs a punch with a pretty cool, like, you know, all these different characters, as much as some of them are egregious stereotypes. There were fun moments. It, it, it's the most wasted potential out of all these movies. Like, you have everything here to be a decent movie, but mm-hmm. you fall through for convenience. I just, it's so bad. And before we started recording, we talked about, like, how could this movie and the other movie be combined into one and it's so easy i figured it out in two seconds you did you wrote it all down in a two and a half hour movie you spent half an hour on the wedding half an hour on the honeymoon half an hour on scary pregnancy and baby half an hour on banding together the boys and five fight and reconcile and you could still give some areas 20 minutes give some areas 40 minutes it'd be fine be totally fine Either way, this was the sixth highest growing grossing movie in 2012. So there's that. Was it really? Yep. What was... Oh, 2012. Avengers. Okay. Yeah, Avengers had to be the most. Yeah. Well, yeah. technically think about it, How much more plot did they fit into that movie? Well, that's the thing. That's why I'm like, don't tell me it wouldn't be possible. Because I can do it in two seconds. And then I did it. It, it's not hard. They fit a lot more into other movies. Like, look what they did with Titanic. Yeah. Now that is a story about star-crossed doomed lovers. And you know the ending. You already know what's going to happen in the end because of like history. It's not the ship doesn't sink. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I also just love that the Volturi are, like, stereotypical, like, medieval renaissance 
vampires and they're not like vampires from Moonstruck in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They're not like, hey, what's hey, the matter with this baby? <laughs> what, uh, what's the matter with you? No, now the alarms are going off. Uh, now we got well, that going on. What I haven't even thought about it, but like, what burger would you consider is wasted potential? Like, what burger would you be like, there's potential here and I enjoy it, but I feel dissatisfied by the end of it? Oh my god, that's a good question. I'd oh, say geez. a Sonic's burger. Mm, I say Smash like, Burger. Oh, Smash Burger, yeah. Because even with the name yeah. like Smash Burger, you would think like, oh, it's going to be a really good smashed burger, which is a type of cooking method to make the best burgers. Like Five Guys, yeah. Shake Shack, a mm-hmm. uh, bunch of like... Oh my god, this alarm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, don't worry about the alarm. I'm sorry. If you want to wait, okay. we can. No, no, I'm sorry. It's okay, but you're right. <laughs> no, I'm going to go... I'm gonna comfortably say Smash Burger is like the Smash the Burger. Pick for that. Yeah, me too. And as far as dad chart goes, dad scale, I'd say it's off the charts. Yeah, he he had to learn a lot. He's he's phenomenal, mustachioed man. So and much he gets, dad. He finally gets what he deserves. He has a loving wife, a Christmas, and a fishing trip, and that's all he ever wanted. Yeah. He's the real winner of these movies. He totally is. God damn it, Charlie Spawn. Good on you, Charlie. The only thing keeping this keeping us through these movies. Oh my god. Alright. Um Okay. So We have like we have the part where we talk about our obsession, but do we wanna like final thoughts on the franchise as a whole? I know. Um so I told you this before we started recording. I think that my my final ranking of the Twilight movies would be Eclipse number one. I'm going to bump up Twilight. Twilight's number two. Then Breaking Dawn two. Breaking Dawn one. And New Moon last. You know, um, I can't even argue that. I was That's yeah. exactly my list. Yeah, yeah. I, I have more respect for Twilight now. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I do still feel like as much as we've picked it apart and discussed a lot of what is wrong with Stephanie Meyer's work, I'm still not going to eviscerate people who enjoy this because like when I went back and watched some of the Honest trailers for some of the Twilight movies... You know, some of the jokes were like, if you are even an intellectual person, stay away. And it's like, I don't entirely agree with that. If people enjoy this, then they enjoy it. It's just a lot and it's nothing at the exact same time. No, that's fair. I think I've gotten a little more critical. I think I started out more optimistic than you did. But then now I'm just tired and I'm like, there's, this is a lot. (laughs) <laughs> but it's twilight fatigue but but i agree 100 percent. i think ultimately my combative nature at the beginning of this was not so much to protect these movies because they're bad and there's lots of problematic issues but like like you you have said and like we have both said like what what benefit do we have in shaming someone for liking it especially when 
there are other properties with significant like that have the same problematic issues but are much mm-hmm. much worse like right i'm like, not going to shame somebody for watching this and getting some enjoyment out of it i'm going to yeah. shame the person who thought that this was okay to make this and yeah. like you know like have the um vampires of trust. color only wear tribal wear yeah yeah I can have trust and faith that, like, I, like, most, like, like, a horror movie fan, most mature, responsible horror movie, which oh, there's a lot. I would say the horror community is a more heartfelt community than most cinema people. Um, mm-hmm. The horror community has self-awareness to know that you shouldn't do these behaviors in real life and that these are escapist films and you can make it as reflective of real life or as goofy and stupid as you want but we're all there to express this art in some way so Mm -hmm. i look at that with twilight like yeah there's a lot of stupid shit but am i gonna make it like why i enjoyed bits of it why would i shame someone for thinking these are their favorite movies like that's that's to them and you know they found some enjoyment out of it and that's all you can ever ask for and like you said when you watch the honest trailers that's what i kind of hated like looking back like wow, we were really rude to this franchise. Like, mm-hmm. not just rude to the franchise, but rude to the fans. Like, Right, right. At, at the same time, like, in the second half, the aughts, Fast and the Furious came back with full force. Like, the like we had Fast and Furious, and then, like, all these dumb acts. The, the Transformers movies, which they get their fair... You know what's funny is the Transformers movies get their fair share of criticism, but mm-hmm. nobody makes fun of the boys who go watch Transformers. Also, like, I love Transformers movies. Like, I'm fine with them being terrible. That That's fine. Yeah. I don't but expect like, Oscar gold. Yeah, but I think that's the thing, like... Yeah. It's easy to make fun of them, but I don't think... what No matter how much people made fun... Because whenever people make fun of Transformers and make fun of the movie, they mm-hmm. make fun of Michael Bay. They right. never make fun of the fans. When it comes right. to Twilight, people make fun of the fans. And that's where I yeah. thought, like, maybe I, mean, I maybe we just need to be a little bit more empathetic and understanding and not shit on everything that teenage girls like. Yeah, it was super aggressive. And it's not fair for teenage girls who, and, you know, um, teenage people to find something that they enjoy and it immediately gets shit on, not for understanding the content, but just for the sheer fact that it is predominantly liked by teenage girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, I'm helped me to come to this conclusion and say, was this the worst thing I've ever seen? Of course not. Did I have fun? Yeah, I had fun. Is there a lot of frustrations, really stupid, unexplained plot lines, and a lot of uncomfortable undertones of slight racism and sexism oh yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's all there (laughs) i know i mean like i watched cats i watched cats the musical How, how can i be any more judgy of people who enjoy watching this when i sat through cats at four in the morning during insomnia you know that's insane you watched cats. I just felt like at four in the morning, after just not being able to sleep, what other mindset could I possibly be in that would be the most appropriate for cats? <laughs> you know? That's fair. Yeah. So, 
We are at the end of our Twilight series. Yes. We are going to finish this series off with another, like, add-on to the end. And we're going to watch The Host. Yay! Yeah. We're going to watch The Host. That's another (laughs) Stephanie Meyer. Not the really good uh, Korean horror movie. Nope. The uh, Stephanie Meyer, other teenage fictional story that was made into a movie that didn't go anywhere. Love triangle slash love quadrangle slash love with a parasitic alien. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing next. So that's it came out a year. It came out a year after Breaking Dawn Part 2. You can yes. tell that they were genuinely hoping this would be the next Twilight. Yeah. And I think also they wanted to prove, like, see, we can keep this momentum going. Stephanie Meyer is not a bad writer. I really want her to stop writing. Also, um, being that we're going to cover another one of the movies she's in, we should mm-hmm. say that this is... um. I'm never going to say her name right. Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's in The Host. Yeah. We're going to watch... She's her. had a very interesting career. Was this one of her first movies? This was no, Atonement... Um, no, actually, I Could Never Be Your Woman was her first movie. The one where Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer are in a relationship. She's in The Lovely Bones. Yeah, that one's... Ooh, we got, I guess ooh, we gotta get to that at some point. And Hannah. Fucking Hannah. Which they turned into an Amazon show. Which, yeah, is now an Amazon show. Um, so yeah, so that's what we're headed up to next. Um, Tom. Yes. What has been your obsession this week? Joy Division. Oh, nice. I've learned a lot about Joy Division. Uh-huh. I've been listening to a lot of Joy Division. They only have two rec. They only have two like studio albums. Right, right. They did not make any actual. They did not make a lot of music. They made a lot of singles, and what's weird is like some of their best songs are singles. Like, Love Will Tear Us Apart's a single. Um, Atmosphere is a single. Um, they have a couple other songs that are just singles. Because I was wondering, like, everyone, when it comes to Depeche Mode, it, oh, not Depeche Mode, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to joy, my coffee machine's broken, so I haven't oh. really had coffee. I know, I, I drank a lot of caffeine yesterday, and then today I've been trying to tone it down. But I think, I think it's just like the being cozy is making me sleepy and not on point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like Joy Division, they have Unknown Pleasures. That's the album that like most people talk about. That's the album that you see all the t-shirts with. And what's interesting is that like these were a group of just dickhead guys from Manchester who tried for a very long time to be a punk band and just every bit of the way had failure after failure because they were just like I mean, there's a lot of tragedy obviously with the mm-hmm. frontman, but like they were fun like Ian Curtis is a tragic figure because I didn't realize this. He suffered severe seizures. He had epilepsy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, they he got diagnosed after a really bad show in London where like nobody showed up and he just had a fit on the road and they diagnosed him with um, 
with epilepsy and he had like seizures like three times a week at some points. Oh my God. Yeah. And, um, but like they were just, a, cause they were like, they were trying to be punk during the punk scene, mm -hmm. but they also, when they started had like no talent, like none of them really played music, but that's mm. most punk bands to be that's, honest. That's part of being punk. Yeah. Um, then they, one of their, the name they went by before Joy Division was Warsaw. Oh yeah, that's right. And then they had a lot of Nazi imagery. Yes. That was just a very, Indeed. like, they were like, oh, we're being, we're gonna, we're, we're pissing people off. And then this producer was like, no, no, like, people remember this war. Please don't. Right. Like, they didn't mean it in that way of, like, we're supporting Nazis. They were doing it in a punk way, like, we're here to piss you off. But at some point, I'm glad somebody was like, but you don't have to do that, though. Right. I think that we're uh, finally at the point where we're like, we don't need controversy just to shock people and remind them of things that were offensive. We just need to try something else. Yeah. yeah. And what's funny, what I found about Joy Division... Um, half the band hated the album Unknown Pleasures and half of them were like loved it and it's like their most like well-renowned album that's the album that like I said every oh, okay. t-shirt is this album well you know it's interesting too because when I think back to Amy Winehouse and I think when I was in high school and I sort of had a love hate for her so like when her music first came across the Atlantic Ocean, I was like, wow, she's really talented. But then very quickly, it just became more about, you know, her drunken and drugged up escapades and the media destroyed her. They love destroying her. So suddenly the actual credibility that she had to me was completely eradicated by all of these news headlines. And when she did die, it felt like all of a sudden, once again, everyone was like, oh my god, she was so talented, she's in the 27 Club now. And at the time, I was like, she only made two albums. That's not that much music. But then when you go back and you listen to like what this young person was capable of writing at such a young age, and how much she opened the doors for other female musicians, then you... Like, once you leave those news headlines behind, you realize the impact of the person and the yeah. music. Yeah. Well, like, what's interesting when you listen to some of the songs by Joy Division, it's like the the lyrics Ian was writing were very painful. And it's mm -hmm. like, how did no... I mean, it's hard to look retrospectively and be like, how did we not know? But sometimes it happens. Like, the song I became hooked on is called Digital. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of brilliant in that the drum beat is very binary. It's one, two, one, two, one, two. And even the lyrics of going to work, going home, going to work, going home. It's a very bleak look on the daily existence. And it's like, wow, these are, I like, I always knew of Joy Division and I always loved like, you know, you're an angsty young teenager when we came out in the aughts and eventually mm -hmm. we're going to have to talk about um, Donnie Darko. We are, we are going to have to talk about Donnie Darko. Um, the, the song Love Will Tear Us Apart is in the movie, and that's when I first heard it. I think I heard about it from somewhere else. I don't remember where, but it took me a while. It took me a lot longer to see Donnie Darko than most people in our, like, peer group. It had such a cult status. Mm-hmm. But I can't, because I think I watched it, like, a few years ago as a part of a work, a co-worker, like, 
challenge that we did. And I remember being like, man, I enjoy watching this movie. I love the style. I love the, the time it takes place in the music. But God damn it, can I not stand him? He's so right, exactly. and brooding and angsty. And it's like, of course I liked him when I was a kid. But now as an adult, I'm like, man, just fuck off. Like, Jesus Christ, yeah. man. But that's really it. That's been my obsession is Joy Division. Mm-hmm. And these photo- the, ph- the, ph- the photography I've been doing. I'm really excited. Yeah, been that's so been really fun. great. Thank you. I was nervous on day one. I literally thought to myself, like, because I literally just took my camera and went for a drive and was like, just go take pictures. And I'm like, then that's when the insecurity kicks in and the doubt. It's like, there's, I don't have a goal. Like, why am I doing this? This is pointless. This is stupid. And then eventually I just went out into the cold and snapped some pictures. And I'm like, no, there, this is fun. This is important. This is feels good to find an outlet that's not directly related to like anything immediate, like just finding something and wanting to compose it into a shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad you I'm glad that you're doing it because I can tell that you're really pushing yourself and I'm I'm really enjoying what you're coming up with. Thank you. Yeah. Learning how to use my I knew it was a feature but I never did it the fact that I control my camera from my phone once I actually did it that was a deal breaker I'm like oh I'm, yeah I this is it yeah uh, but what's been your weekly obsession I talked way too much about joy division I'm sorry oh no you're fine no I I gotta get going in a few minutes so I'll, I'll finish up real quickly um I don't know I guess routine I've really missed being at home with my partner and my cats. And now that I'm back in the studio, I'm so happy I can be back in the studio. So I would just say routine. Um, Nice. When you're forced to isolate because of COVID, it's hard to... I mean, if you like can't work from home and you're forced to stay in because you're sick... um, it it really sucks and you really just lose a sense of timing and yourself and i'm just so happy to be home and you know be back with the love of my life and um just being able to go back to my second home which is the printmaking studio nice i'm so. really glad yeah and also like you know joe and i have been through a lot we've we've done long distance for two years and that somehow seemed less awful like this it was much more manageable than being away from each other for a month because of this virus um it's definitely a lot harder to be away from the person you love when you're worried about oh my god is this person going to be sick are they going to have to go to the hospital I, I can't go anywhere near them Am I going to cause somebody harm? Like, there's so much confusion, and you just don't know what's okay or not. So, uh, returning back to a sense of order and a sense of normalcy has been wonderful. I'm really glad. That's awesome. Yeah. So, that's nice. (laughs) Do you want me to throw it to the wrap-up? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Wasn't that, that was in sync, right? Yes. Yes, it was. I just knew. Okay. 
<laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all the holidays, even the ones you don't celebrate. Enjoy yourself. It's this is the time to just say fuck it and have a decent time at home. With you know, reach out to the people you care about and let them know. Have safe, happy holidays. Uh, be sure to follow us on the Spotify's, the iTunes, the Googles, the Podbeams. Now we're on YouTube. That's a fun venture. Looking out for that. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on the Instagram at Remember the Zero Zero S Podcast. Uh, I think I hit all the notes right. Nessie. Always remember Nessie. Always remember Nessie. And that's it. And I will crush that Spider-Man And then that other Spider-Man And all the Spider-Man Till I'm the Spider-Man Spider-Man, we're at it again This time with 50% more Spider-Man Oh, yeah Not quite a bug how do I break out from the Spider-Man clan? I wanna be proud, I don't wanna hide Don't trap me in a cup and put me outside With all those